Hello and welcome. This is an audio recording of an IFG live event. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to those watching online and welcome to everyone who's joined us here in the room. My name is Akash Pound. I am a senior fellow at the Institute for Government in London and I'm delighted to be here sharing today's event on devolution, levelling up and local leadership. Uh, about which I'll be in conversation with Tracy Brabin, Mayor of West Yorkshire. And Tracy, thanks so much for, for joining us. Um, and um, just to say, um, as a graduate of the University of Leeds, it's a particular pleasure to be up in Leeds doing this event live on location, so to speak. We are, for those watching online, um, recording this from the Tetley, which is now a contemporary art gallery, um, but it's based on the uh, site of the historic Tetley's Brewery. So I think it's a, the ideal location, actually, for a conversation about the, the economic future of, of Leeds and how the Leeds and the wider West Yorkshire region are, are changing. So really looking forward to our conversation. Um, before we kick off the event proper, so to speak, I'm very pleased to give the floor to Bronwyn Maddox, uh, Director of the Institute for Government. Bronwyn. Hello, everyone. A very warm welcome. I'm not going to take up very much time, but just to say that we're delighted to be hosting this event. I'm really looking forward to this discussion with Tracy Braben and with you all. And I hope questions are coming in online as well. This is part of our levelling up uh, programme, as Akash has been saying, and it's something that we've been giving more and more time to at the Institute, looking as well at at, at devolution within England, not just uh, the, the different nations of the United Kingdom. And I'm really glad to see the energy going into this discussion right across the UK. We're um, delighted to take your questions now or afterwards, even many people send them afterwards, but thank you very much indeed for joining us. And I want to thank as well Manchester Airports Group for helping us with this particular event and JRSST, uh, Charitable Trust, part of the Joseph Rowntree Trust Group, for working with us generally on this series about local leadership. With that, I'm going to hand back to Akash Pound and Tracy Braben. Thank you, Bromin. Um, so, yes, as, as Bromin just mentioned, um, we're really grateful to uh, Manchester Airports Group for their sponsorship of this event. And I'm pleased that um, Andy Clark, who is the uh, Head of Public Affairs at Manchester Airport, is here to say a few words about the company's interest and uh, reasons for partnering with us on this event. So, Andy. Hi, everyone. Um, It's great to see so many people. It's great to be at the Tetley. I think some of you are probably asking the question, why on earth are Manchester Airports Group sponsoring an event in Leeds? And hopefully I can articulate that over the next couple of minutes. So Manchester Airport pre-pandemic served 30 million passengers, 210 destinations, millions of people within a two-hour drive of the airport. So it's clear for us that we are the global gateway for the north of England. We draw people in from Yorkshire, West Yorkshire, different regions around the north. And we believe passionately that what is good for Manchester Airport is good for the whole of the north of England. When we're able to work together, we think we can benefit the whole of the northern economy. We have been working very closely with other airports throughout the pandemic, so I want to make it clear that where Manchester Airport succeeds, that's not to the disadvantage of Leeds Bradford or Liverpool or Teesside or any other airport in the north. We serve different markets. We believe we can all exist together. We think airports are a key part of levelling up. 
we were disappointed that in the levelling up white paper there was no mention of international connectivity, um, something we're looking at as an organisation. Be really interested to hear from Tracy today on some of the issues that we're focusing on around HS2, improving transport links, um, decarbonisation, which is an existential issue for the aviation industry. We have our own plan of how we want to tackle that and we want to reach net zero at our airports by 2038. We think we're well on our way to achieving that and we'll be really interested to hear from Tracy on her part of that agenda. Um, I also wanted to touch on some of the benefits that we think international connectivity ultimately brings to places like Leeds. So we have flights to the US, we previously had flights to India, China, and we know that our flights from China would bring in students who came and studied here in Leeds or around the north of England, and with them would bring millions of pounds in spending power. So that's why we really do believe and we want everyone else to start thinking on the same page of what is good for Manchester is good for the north of England. I realise I'm asking people to sort of get over centuries-old rivalries between the two sides of the pandemic. As someone who lives in Leeds but works in Manchester, I'm trying to do that myself, but would love to hear from Tracy about how she sees that working in practice. Um, I think really we've got to you know, unashamedly promote that story of people who might fly in from China or the US, arrive in Manchester, drive or get the train over to Yorkshire, enjoy everything Yorkshire has to offer. Dare say it, maybe even they'll pop to Liverpool as well. <laughs> Sorry, Tracy. <laughs> um, but yeah, really looking forward to the event and looking forward to a good discussion. So thanks very much. Thank you, Andy. And uh, yeah, thanks again for your support of the event. Um, okay, so we now have uh, how long? A little bit under an hour for the, for the main part of the event. Um, so let me introduce our, our guest main speaker um, properly. So, so Tracy Braben, as people will be aware, is the directly elected uh, Metro Mayor of the West Yorkshire region, uh, meaning that she chairs the combined authority, uh, which is formed of five uh, individual local councils in the region, Leeds, Bradford, Kirklees, Wakefield. And I knew as soon as I was starting this, I was going to forget one of them. <laughs> and the fifth one. Um, <laughs> apologies. I'm going to make you squirm. <laughs> I shouldn't have started the list. Um, and, and Tracy also holds the uh, powers of police and crime commissioner, uh, which is quite unusual. Only one of the other Metro mayors, Andy Burnham, also has that function. Um, and the PCC role was merged into the mayoral role um, when it was created just last year. Um, Tracy is also the first woman to hold the post of Metro Mayor anywhere in the country um, and prior to uh, May 2021 was MP for Batley and Spen. Before that, had a long career in uh, television and on the stage as well, I think. <laughs> so um, I've got a set of questions uh, that I'm going to discuss with, with uh, the mayor, first of all, um, around the broad theme, as mentioned, of levelling up devolution, local leadership, and then very keen to uh, bring in as many people as possible from both the online and live audience um, so if you're watching online, there should be a, a function on your screen that allows you to submit questions. And I can see some are already popping up on my clever iPad. So I'll be keeping an eye on those. And obviously, people in the room do uh, formulate your own questions 
as well. Okay, I think that's all that I have to say by way of introduction. So um, let's get into the, the conversation. I mean, first of all, you've been sitting there listening to others speak, but thanks very much for joining us. Great pleasure to have you with us. It's a pleasure and great to see so many people as well in such a beautiful building. It's great to be here. Yeah, really nice location for it. Um, Okay, so uh, this week marks um, two years exactly, I think, since the uh, West Yorkshire devolution deal was was concluded. And as mentioned, that was an agreement between, well, then there was the the, the five local leaders of the councils. I think at least one of them is is in the room today, uh, between the local leaders and central government. Um, Other places like Greater Manchester, West Midlands, Liverpool City region had reached that point several years earlier and, and sort of started down the devolution path back in 2017. Why did it take so long to, to reach that point here in West Yorkshire? Um, I think the challenge was about the, the area and there was a real lobby for One Yorkshire. I mean, the brand of Yorkshire is so fantastic. Who wouldn't want One Yorkshire? Um, but I think uh, couldn't get that over the line. Then there was um, tensions between um, some councils in South Yorkshire, whether they felt that would they be included if it was Leeds City Region. There was an awful lot of um, back and forth. And in fact, when I was a member of parliament, I did, um, uh, I was a part of a debate in the chamber and saying, why can't everybody get on with it? And the, the Tories just said, well, it's all your fault. So that's why. Um, but we did get it over the line. And it was quite um, uh, a great coincidence, actually, that last Saturday, today uh, where the Nexus, uh, the Nexus building was where the Devo deal was signed two years ago to the day that we had our first ever International Women's Day uh, conference. Um, so I did feel that that was quite a sweet circle. Um, obviously, the deal being signed was two years ago, but mm. I was elected only 10, 10 months ago and it's been my first year, May the 9th. Um, but I think it we are now actually motoring on devolution in the north, um, in, in West Yorkshire. So we've some catching up to do. Yeah. Um, but we're over the line and we did get a really good deal. So I would like to thank all the leaders of um, West Yorkshire councils for that, the determination they showed to get that deal. Um, the gain share, which is the money you get from devolution for the mayor to spend or the mayor and partners to mm. spend for our region, 38 million a year for 10 years is quite substantial. So they did a great great job. And like you say, the responsibilities for police and crime, it is a unique opportunity that I'm really excited about, um, being able to take a public health approach to what we do. Um, in, and there's only Andy Burnham with those, um, as you say, those responsibilities. Yeah. I would say if you didn't have them and you were the mayor, you would definitely want them because it does give you a unique view of your region. Um, so, um, for example, looking at um, my police and crime plan, uh, one of the big themes is um, safety of women and girls. That can filter through everything we do. So that can be in housing, that can be in transport, that can be skills training. So there's, there's a real Venn diagram mm. um, that gives us lots of creativity to solve our problems. And um, so thank you. There's only James Lewis in the room, but thank you, James, for all that you did and the other leaders to get that great deal. 
Yeah, yeah. As you say, it's um, you, you do have that broader suite of, of functions that enables that that joining up potentially. So yeah, that's that's um, a really useful place to start. Um, so I guess I mean the next thing I want to ask is you know it, as you say it's it's still early days. You're only ten months in. Um, it's not a well established. Um, model or, 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 or level of government in this country in, in general, the metro mayors, the combined authorities, um, and so on. And I think there's, you know, there's some people who might question why is it that we need another tier of government? We have local councils and, 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 and central government. What is it that you think are the, are the strongest arguments for why devolution and devolution to this particular scale? Um, is the best way to to improve the economic and social prospects of of the region? Well, we know our region. We know what our challenges are and we know how to solve them. So I think and um, that disconnect between our region and Whitehall and Westminster, making decisions on buses, for example, in Mm. Westminster, they don't know how they impact on the lives of the people in West Yorkshire. So to have that voice and that advocacy is really helpful. Um, But I, I would say that... I was in a really good position in that the combined authority had already been set up. So there were structures in place and um, people in post to help us through that transition. It wasn't like Dan Jarvis in South Yorkshire who had to set up from a standing start. Um, So we were in a really strong position. I'm also standing on the shoulders of other giants in the region. You know, we're learning from each other. I'm part of the M10 group of mayors, Mm. uh, the M8 Labour mayors. So, you know, what were what were um, our ambitions here? Uh, I really do feel that we can um, act swiftly uh, because of experiences elsewhere. For example, when it comes to uh, the buses, I said and I stood on a manifesto about bringing um, making buses better. We, we know anybody who uses the buses in West Yorkshire will know that the system is pretty broken. Um, and you'll have seen that Andy Burnham has gone to uh, public control only this week. Yeah. Uh, but we have invested a million pounds in looking at public control and franchising whilst also entering into an enhanced partnership with the bus companies. So I'm learning from other mayors around the regions as well. So um, I think in, in answer to your question though more directly, we need, we need a Yorkshire voice um, talking to government about what we need. Um, and we'll get to levelling up in a wee while, but making decisions in central, central government that impact on our lives mm. is not the way to uh, make lives better. We need to bring power closer to, to the people it affects. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think devolution is so uh, important. And I'm really pleased, actually, in the levelling up white paper that it does feel that government, on the one hand, say they want more devolution, which is good, but then there's still, unfortunately... Um, not necessarily giving us the powers that we need to enact it. Yeah, well, we'll certainly come on to um, where the process might go next. Um, I mean, I was going to actually ask you about this a a bit later on, but since you've mentioned it already, um, would you actually have preferred a Yorkshire-wide, well, one Yorkshire deal, as it was called for a while, um, but, yeah, a Yorkshire-wide devolution arrangement of some kind you know there's well there's there's obviously different party to your own but there's the Yorkshire party I know that that campaigns still for something like that a Yorkshire parliament maybe and first minister treating the county as 
more like a nation and so having something more like Scottish and Welsh devolution. Um, the government obviously ruled that out and went for something that was much more based on city region, functional economic geography, as they would put it. Um, so, yeah, what's, what's your view on, on that kind of decision? Well, I campaigned for One Yorkshire. Yeah. I thought the brand was really powerful. We have a lot of commonalities. Obviously, it was too big, a bit too daunt, you know, too much of a challenge potentially for government. But we are not a country. Uh, we're not Wales, we're not Scotland. Um, but to see uh, the work that's been done with Labour in Power in Scotland and devolution at its purest, um, we've loads of great lessons that we can learn from that. But we are where we are, and I think you know, we're using the powers we have. We're um, challenging government where we think we could uh, do, you know, do with further powers, but we're getting on with the job to deliver um, for the people of West Yorkshire. You know, we've eight hundred and and thirty million pounds came out of the um, City Region Sustainable Transport Settlement. You know, we've got that to spend. We've got planning to do a mm. uh, mass transit. We've loads of work to get on with uh, for West Yorkshire. But of course, North Yorkshire now is um, looking at devolution. So it is going to, I think, happen. And whether then those different regions come together, well, that's for the future. But I did campaign for One Yorkshire. But, you know, I'm so excited that we've got devolution here in West Yorkshire. Yeah, and I yeah. do work very closely with Dan. Mm. So you know, East and West, um, um, uh, sorry, East and West Yorkshire and South Yorkshire, we do work very closely together because lots of our workforce, um, you know, that that border is really porous. We've loads to celebrate between us, and um, I think uh, it's it has been really fruitful working with Dan. Um, you know, to work with commonalities of scale and so on. Yeah, yeah. Who's returning to Westminster? He is, course, and I'm really yeah. sad about that because uh, we were. We were getting on very well, and uh, he re- really was delivering um, uh, for South Yorkshire. But I'm sure um, whoever, I have to be cautious, whoever wins, mm-hmm. and obviously I hope it's Ollie, um, that I'm sure they'll do continue that great work. Mm. Ollie, who's also a Leeds University graduate, who oh, is it, I well? believe did the same course as I did uh, uh, maybe a year or two after, I think. Um, okay, terrific. So, yeah, we might come back actually to the negotiations in other parts of the country as part of levelling up. But I, w- I want to move on to some of the specific things you're focused on here in West Yorkshire. And you've mentioned transport already, which is, of course, a, 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 a central priority, perhaps the biggest priority. Um, and obviously, um, Andy from, from, from Manchester Airports Group was talking about connectivity as well. Um, so just by way of context, for, I hope people in the room can see the slide as well as people at home. But... Here's the, uh, the, the, the budget, uh, the planned expenditure for the current year of the uh, combined authority here. And just a simple point that I wanted to use it to illustrate, transport is the biggest by, by a long way chunk of your spending. Um, total budget or total expenditure is, I think it's like 570 million for the year, um, of which around two thirds is transport either infrastructure or actually services. After that, adult skills, business support and housing infrastructure are the kind of next biggest chunks. But yeah, two thirds or so is is transport. Um, So that's obviously going to dominate a lot of your time. Um, And I know also, just to come on to the next slide, that you've been critical of um, particularly the the decision by the government not to proceed with the, the HS2 link to Leeds. Um, and generally, I think you've made the argument, as of others, that this part of the country is underfunded in terms of its transport system. So, again, um, colleagues might have done looked at the numbers, crunched the numbers. 
would suggest that that's absolutely correct. Mm. Yorkshire and the Humber, that's the scale at which the data is collected. Um, per person get far less funding than, well, London at the other extreme, but also less than other parts of the north. Um, so, yeah, that historically has <coughs> been uh, has been the problem. Um, however, to come on to my question, um, as you say, the government has agreed to quite a big... Uh, was it 800 million or so transport settlement, including, I think, to fund a mass transit system for for the Leeds City region, potentially. Well, not to fund the mass transit system. Or to I mean, £2 billion to, pounds to fund it. Right, so, OK, so yeah. some stuff. OK, well, that brings on to my question, really. I mean, you said yourself that that was quite a welcome settlement that the government had, had committed to, I guess, last autumn. Um, does that, to you, suggest that the government accepts that there's a problem and is now going to redress that balance. And it very much links to levelling up as well. Transport connectivity is one of the Mm. 12 missions and making sure um, places have an equal... (laughs) <laughs> equally good transport system. So, yeah, what, what's your overall view about how the government's going about this? Well, look, we have to see in context, don't we, that we, ha- as a region, have been um, desperately underfunded for decades. We are, all, we are still on a Victorian infrastructure. We have been campaigning for the electrification of the Trans-Pennine route for 10 years. Um, the IRP that we waited for months for, um, which you, you will know that was much lauded as, you know, um, uh, a seismic funding for the whole of the north. This is the integrated rail integrated plan. Integrated rail plan. Yeah. And of the, of the 7 billion that we were given, of the 90 plus billion, um, six of that um, was already allocated for TransPennine. So basically we got a billion quid out of that. And they were for a sequence of surveys and electricity electrification between Leeds and Bradford. So hugely disappointing. Now, it's not just about um, connectivity between Manchester and Leeds. It is also about social mobility and levelling up. That Bradford has lobbied hard for a stop on a new line between Manchester and Leeds um, that was going to be the Northern Powerhouse Rail that the Prime Minister spoke about in public in front of Stevenson's Rocket. He said, we're going to give the North, or I gave them Crossrail in the South, we're going to have this new railway line um, east to west, and and we were hoping that we'd get a stop in Bradford. We got none of that. And we got a survey. Um, HS2 was pulled and we got a survey of how to get fast trains from Sheffield to Leeds. It's just absolutely not good enough. So the reason why we were so angry is because we've been promised so much that it was being lauded as this is the, the moment that we actually reverse the decline of transport in the north. And for anybody that's used the trains recently because of COVID, because of um, driver shortages, because of um, weather and because of underfunding, um, it, it isn't fit, you know, it's not fit for the 21st century. So I'm making that case that it isn't just about a few, you know, whilst they sound like large numbers of sums of money, in context and historically, they are crumbs off the table. So it was hugely disappointing that the only new section of railway that was going to be built in West Yorkshire was from Warrington to Marsden, where it would screech to a halt in Marsden um, and then join the Trans-Pennine line. Um, so it, 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 
hasn't worked for us and certainly the millions that have been spent by government supporting and setting up uh, Transport for the North, which was supposed to be a voice for the North that would solve the problems for government about what the plan should look like. Um, that was disregarded. They went back to TFN and said, what's your cheapest option? Um, and they kept saying, this is suboptimal, this is not going to work, it's not going to deliver what we want, and government went for that. So um, I am, I, I would say, quite right to be angry. I am the voice of the passenger. I use tra public transport myself, um, and I, I'm continually pressing government that it can be better mm. but of course that money is welcome the you know but that is also for mass transit as you say 200 million for mass transit but also um uh, for bus priority lanes for potholes it's um a whole host of other expected outcomes out of that money yeah yeah it's, you, and I mean, across the regions of course you know mm. our, my part you know the partners um uh from local authorities have their own challenges and they'll be um you know, we'll be supporting their, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, plans as well to deliver for their community. Yeah, yeah. Transport infrastructure is certainly not cheap. And no, yeah, it's, it's you're a quite right. Challenge. What sounds like a yeah. big number does end up getting spread quite thin. Um, just to the producers at the back, they said it's going to turn off in one minute. I'm not sure if that is going to happen or not. <laughs> we can carry on if it doesn't, if it does happen, if, if necessary, but hopefully, hopefully it won't. <laughs> and uh, I just wondered also, Tracy, whether you had any comments on um, the need for better um, international connectivity and, and how far, to what extent you see that as, uh, you know, one of, one of your objectives for, for the region, just to reflect back what was said by Andy Clark earlier. Well, Andy and I have just had a discussion before we came in, and I was very disappointed in the outcome for Leeds-Bradford, and that the owners felt that it was too protracted and they couldn't wait any longer for planning permission or uh, for the decision to be made about whether they could go ahead with their zero carbon term terminal a new building uh, that they were they were going to make sure that was zero carbon now i i know that uh, we as a region are committed to zero carbon by 2038 but that does not mean that we can't um, support companies and businesses who want to rebuild their building to make it zero carbon there will be also added uh, passengers, but we know that at the moment we, uh, the aviation sector, and you'll know more than anybody, is on its knees. We are still not back to pre-pandemic levels. They're saying potentially it's going to take two to three years. We can't have innovation in a sector that is on its knees. It's not going to be investing in how do we get lighter planes, how do we get greener fuel, if it's all about just, you know, um, trying to stay alive and keep the lights on. So I am disappointed because I do believe West Yorkshire can be a magnet for international investment um, for, and those international students that come to our amazing universities. I want them to be able to use an airport that's local rather than have to go to Manchester and then get in a car or rely on the public transport to get over here. So I am being lobbied um, a lot about the, uh, an airport, but I really believe as a mayor um, to say we don't need an airport would be um, slightly mad. It would 
pulling up the drawbridge, I believe. So I want an airport, but I want an airport that's efficient, that's modern, that is innovative, um, that has got great connectivity, because at the moment uh, you have to drive there, and that's why we were um, uh, you know, working with them to build a new station. There's lots we can do around the airport, and it's jobs, of course, let's not forget that, jobs and skills and apprenticeships. Um, so it was, the outcome was disappointing, but, you know, we continue. And I will be, uh, once we can get back to uh, meeting people across the world, we will be out, out there being the champion and the ambassador for our region with some amazing companies in West Yorkshire that would really benefit from international investment and also our exports. Um, you know, we can go further, so having those relationships Relationships is going to be really important. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Very interesting. Um, okay. So you just mentioned jobs and skills and so on, and that's a quite a nice um, segue. So I wanted to go on to talk about the broader leveling up agenda and how, well, what, what that means in, in the context of West Yorkshire, I suppose. Um, so our screen is, is back, and I have a couple more slides I was just going to um, use to illustrate the conversation. Um, so, I mean, the broad definition of levelling up, as, 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 as the government has now expressed it, is all to do with um, reducing disparities in economic and public service performance, um, generally between the regions and also, I think, between local areas within individual regions as well, which I think might be, might be relevant in this context. Um, but I've pulled out some relevant indicators. So first of all, jobs, you mentioned, obviously is a kind of core part of levelling up and, and any kind of economic strategy. And in terms of the employment rate... Um, what this data shows, if people can see, the pink line is West Yorkshire, uh, the blues UK, and, and the orange is, is Greater London. In employment terms, West Yorkshire is pretty much bang on national average, and Leeds, in fact, is the grey line. The grey lines are the individual five authorities. is above average, so it has a higher than, than average employment rate. So the problem isn't that in some total there aren't enough jobs, I suppose, in the region, but there is then variation between different places in West Yorkshire. Moving on to skills, and again, like government's very much committed to upskilling the population, and and that's obviously an important mayoral function. You have control of the adult education budget through the combined authority. So what does the data show on skills? Well, here, clearly, uh, West Yorkshire is below uh, the average across the UK, not masses, not f- too far behind. But again, there's that sort of intra-regional variation. And, and Leeds, again, we haven't marked it on the chart, but Leeds is actually above the UK average. Other parts of the region are below. So I assume that's a kind of challenge that, that you on the combined authority will be thinking about um, redressing. And then finally, Productivity, which is which is a really crucial indicator, I think, for, for all of this. Um, here, the disparity with with uh, UK and Greater London again is a bit larger. Um, and also, what you can note there is the grey line, which is Leeds again as the kind of wealthiest part of the region, has actually fallen behind the UK. It has grown a bit since 2010, but less quickly than than the rest of of the country. So um, I suppose my question is, given that those those figures and more generally your your assessment of, of economic conditions in the region, what to you would levelling up look like 
for West Yorkshire, looking ahead to, or government's talking about 2030, but even beyond that, what, what would success look like and how do we get there? Well, it's interesting. It's a really great number of sites, but they end at 2019. And it would yes, be interesting to see You're the right. impact of COVID because yeah. certainly we have seen an inward movement as well from graduates, particularly who've moved out to London. And because of COVID, they're moving back to West Yorkshire. Mm. And, the, and also um, our recent... Um, uh, I was going to say acquisitions, and that's not the that's not the phrase to use. But our re- uh, recent uh, businesses that have joined uh, and moved to West Yorkshire, like the Bank of England, the Infrastructure Bank, mm. um, and Channel Four, and so on, and, and recruiting. So that potentially will affect your figures. But um, to, your, to just talk to your first slide, I think the the issue around the, the jobs there for for me, what would success look like? that there are the same number of jobs, but what quality of jobs are they? What do people get paid? Now, there's 170,000 people in West Yorkshire who are working, but they're working and they're being paid under the living wage. So my job, working with government, is to make sure that there's more money in people's pocket. Now, we've got a unique um, storm uh, haven't we ahead because we have the cost of living crisis with the national insurance rise with uh, energy price rises we know petrol's going up as well um, and we can see less money going into people's pockets so that's why for me the fair work charter was a really important piece of work because it it sets out a frame which businesses in West Yorkshire can buy into and come with us on this journey to say, these are the things you will do for your workforce and you will always pay um, a fair uh, day's pay for a fair day's work. But you will also be able to, if you work for this company, uh, know that you will have progression or that you'll be able to have uh, be part of a union, um, that you can have flexi working. So it's really important that we make sure that when people are in work, that they get paid properly. Now, part of that solution is also skills. If, if um, for me, what would levelling up actually look like is we wouldn't have the hundreds of thousands of needs. Uh, not in education, employment or training that we have, and particularly in Bradford, um, to make to make sure that all of those young people don't leave school um, and have no uh, future, no direction, no training. So I've been able to, as the mayor, um, uh, taking responsibilities for the adult education budget, so it's a bit of a shift and lift into responsibilities, but also with the gain share, being able to say we know that skills um, uh, where the skills gap is and we can support businesses to deliver in 16-week programs, the boot camps, the, the training to upskill um, uh, the workforce. But it's also about um, your uh, productivity chart. This is seriously important because we have amazing businesses that could be more productive. We have lower research and development than anywhere else, it seems, in the country. So we are supporting R&D and innovation and our brilliant universities and, and their projects. Um, but also it's saying to businesses, you, you need training within your organization to get better productivity. So skills, um, support for new machinery, um, support for exports. We need to help businesses. But fundamentally, if you wanted to sort of take a headline, it's about having a better quality of life um, with opportunities to enjoy time with your families and to have health and wealth. And certainly well-being is also seriously important. Mm. And are you actually in, uh, involved in, in any way in, in 
working out with government how levelling up and more generally, I suppose, the performance of devolved and, and local government is going to be measured going forward. Because that was another quite interesting aspect of the the white paper, this, I think, totally correct analysis that, you know, there isn't very good quality uh, sub-national data on, on economic and public service performance and where the money's going and, and the outcomes you're getting from it. And there's there's this commitment to really you know, improve that in, through work being done by the ONS, through some kind of new um, accountability body that will sit between the centre and sub-national mm. government. Um, is that something you have views on or, or, or been asked no. to contribute to? <coughs> Excuse me. We haven't been asked to contribute necessarily, but I welcome the opportunity for better figures. Mm. That would help us enormously. We've done our own State of the Region report that would be a litmus test to you know, to test me by um, over the next few years of what's the region like today um, and where the changes are. Um, I think the idea of government is that they have a mayor's league table, which I think could be uh, quite skewed. I think Andy Bunner would always want to be at the top. Um, but I would, I would say... When <laughs> He's an Everton fan. He's used to being not quite at the top. <laughs> well, you know, Leeds, Leeds, Leeds. Um, I say no more. Um, uh, I, think, I think a league table, well, you know, if you want us to be accountable, certainly I am accountable. Um, I've got an election in two years' time, 2024. I'm, elect- uh, you know, um, going out back to the public to see if they believe that we've made a difference. But I would say what happens with the government structures is the government will give their, their ministers the money, they give the money to us, mm. and then they put pressure on us to be accountable to them. But I would say, surely, it must be simpler to, uh, for us to be accountable to the Treasury. So why have these ministers in the way who are maybe have their own uh, peccadilloes about what they want to see or they're in and they're out? I mean, how many culture ministers have we had in the last two years? I mean, it's almost like a five aside. Um, I think it's really Im- important to have that direct chain of command. We could report directly back to Treasury and you could put us under as much accountable um, scrutiny as you wish. Uh, but I think it's a bit clunky at the moment. Mm. And, you know, if you want the mayors to be accountable, then also government needs to be accountable for its promises. So when you promise to give us money, you've got to be accountable, you've got to deliver it. Uh, when you promise to give us schemes, then you have to also um, uh, deliver those schemes as well. So it's two-way traffic. Mm. Okay, great. Um, All right, so I'm very keen to bring in some questions now. So I've got a few uh, questions from online. Um, Please do, people watching, uh, feel free to submit more, or you can also upvote or vote for, in other words, uh, questions that you like the look of, and then I'll come shortly to people in the room. So if you want to be prepared. Um, I won't ask you a question on the final slide I had prepared, but just... Uh, we may come back to this. Another aspect of the levelling up white paper is the commitment, we mentioned this a bit in, earlier on actually, to negotiate new devolution deals in lots of places that have missed out so far, including actually, as you said, North Yorkshire, East Riding of Yorkshire as well, and various parts of the East Midlands not too far from here. So we may really see um, the spread of this model or some version of this model of government um, to other parts of, of, of the North and Midlands in particular, which I think is quite, quite a sensible ambition, quite a long way probably to, to, to conclude all those deals. We'll see. Uh, we may come back to that. Okay, keen to uh, put some of these questions to you. So um, first of all, um, 
couple of related questions. One from uh, someone called Brennan, uh, who asks whether you would support the devolution of health uh, to mayors, as is the case uh, to Greater Manchester, where there's a big sort of devolved or semi-devolved, you might say, NHS and, and social care budget. So I'll ask you maybe uh, a couple together with that one. So there's a related question, I suppose. What do you think your role is, this is an anonymous question, what do you think your role is in tackling health inequalities um, across West Yorkshire? Um, and how will you work with the health system and voluntary sector to to, to, to do that and then finally let me put you one other question which is from someone called Gemma who says uh, again you've sort of alluded to this rising costs of doing business energy inflation labor shortages mean that some businesses are struggling um, there's been calls nationally for a delay to the national insurance increase, obviously due to come in next month. But what can you do as mayor um, to support small businesses here in West Yorkshire? So there you go, three questions for you. Great. OK, so Brennan's question on health um, powers. Now, I think Andy is the only one with those, those devolved powers. We don't have them at the moment. I am with the powers I have currently delivering for what we have. But that doesn't mean to say that health is not in my uh, line of fire because, as I said earlier on, there is that Venn diagram that everything is interrelated and you can't disassociate the health of your citizens from everything else that you're doing. And that's where my own levelling up comes in because if you are a child born today in Ilkley, um, you will live 10 years longer of a healthier life than a child born today in Dewsbury. So, of course, health has got to be part of what we do. Now, when it comes to um, my role as police and crime commissioner, we have a public health um, approach. So health is on that board of police and crime. So they, we are talking to our health partners. Um, we are supporting health tech across the region. Uh, we have four out of the five NHS HQs here in West Yorkshire, NHS Digital being one. So we are working with those partners. And well-being is something that filters through absolutely everything. We know we're going to have a tsunami of poor mental health, aren't we, um, given COVID and everything else that's coming down the track and, and also cost of living crisis. So there are things I can do with soft power around health. But at the moment, I'm not lobbying for those um, devolved powers over health. There are other things um, I would lobby for. Um, but I'm also really pleased that we were able to agree that our inclusivity champion, which was something I was determined to um, deliver for the people of West Yorkshire, that that would be a post that is co-funded and co-created by um, health in West Yorkshire, mm. so the ICS are uh, where we're combining our resources for their senior role that will look at inequality and uh, lack of inclusivity across the region in all all of its many dimensions, because uh, equality, diversity, and inclusivity. It, 
is part of my manifesto pledge. And that is where we see the poorest health. And COVID has shown us that, hasn't it? In the, our most diverse communities, our most disadvantaged communities have been impacted by, by COVID, by poverty, by the rising uh, living crisis, a cost of living crisis. So there's a lot of work to do there, but I'm not champion, chomping at the bit for those um, uh, powers as yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've answered potentially the role of the health inequalities and uh, businesses. Well, I would, I really am surprised that Rishi Sunak hasn't U-turned on the national insurance rise. He's getting so much heat from his own backbenchers on that. Um, he's, I think he's persevering and it's going to go ahead. I think um, the the uh, the way that they've dealt with the rising cost of fuel, I think, is tortuous. It's a it's a loan. It's a credit card payment. And even if you haven't paid, you know, if you haven't had a, a an energy bill, if you move into a new home with your partner or whatever, you will have, end up paying the bill for it, regardless whether you actually took out the loan the year before. So it feels like a really convoluted treasury way to solve a problem when it could be so easy. We could just have a windfall tax on those people who have earned the most because of this crisis. Um, And I think, you know, the windfall tax is exactly what it means is just a a one-off tax. So you've got that liquidity. And how am I helping business? Well, um, listening to business, they are telling me that it is incredibly tough at the moment. Um, it's not just energy costs. It's also the cost of containers. So a container that used to, from China that used to cost £2,000 is now £6,000, £10,000. And how do, we, how do they pass on that cost to the consumer? So they are under pressure. There's also a recruitment squeeze. Um, because we've got a great businesses in West Yorkshire. Um, uh, there is a real uh, push to try and get good people into our region for businesses. And they are seeing people, particularly after Brexit, and in retail and hospitality, a real demand for staff that they can't fill those numbers. So there is a, a problem there. What we're doing is we have our growth managers that are embedded in our in our regions, in uh, our uh, local authorities to support businesses. We are making it simpler to come to us for support. Um, during COVID, there was £5 million given out to um, our local authorities to support business directly um, uh, to, to make sure that we could keep those businesses alive. Um, it's really important for me that we identify businesses where we can grow. So as I've said, health tech, fintech, um, the financial services, um, culture. Um, uh, we didn't have a, uh, a culture committee before I became mayor, but there's massive amounts of jobs mm. in that sector, in marketing and advertising and architecture, in museums and um, curating. And, and we've now seen um, film and TV and um, live performing come back. So we are supporting with grants, with training, with skills opportunities for workforce. We are um, open door for business to say, what, whatever your challenge, you can come to us because there is money available. Uh, we've put six, just to give you two examples, six million pounds has been set aside for um, Skills Connect which is, as I said, the boot camp programs, the 16 weeks, um, uh, really agile response to skills need. So that's six million pounds. But I've been able to say um, we, we need to make sure that SMEs are really 
um, identified and supported. We have an accelerator fund, £20 million, where you can um, come to us for uh, funding for plants, for expansions and so on. And also, finally, for entrepreneurs, because we know that business um, also needs innovation. So that entrepreneur fund, the enterprise fund, £6 million for um, it's a three streamed programme. So if you've just got an idea and is it a business, is it a thing, you could come to us and we could support you to identify mm. how to set up a business and so on. And if just I can say finally, 50% of that scheme will go to women, 20% will go to black, Asian, minority, ethnic um, uh, innovators and 3% to those who um, identify as disabled. So as the mayor, I've been able to say, when it comes to disadvantage, when it comes to closing that social mobility gap, I have the levers that I can um, uh, take action to make sure the money goes to the right people. Yeah, really interesting set of things there. Um, okay, brilliant. Uh, keen to bring in people from the room. So any questions in people's minds? I'll take again maybe three or so. Yeah. So there's a gentleman there and then a lady in, on the left there. If there's one more person, please... Let me know and I'll bring you in as well. Thank you. Uh, if you're going to say who you are as well. Yeah. Can you hear me? Right. Yeah. It's Josh Halliday from The Guardian uh, oh, newspaper Hire. Um, I was interested in you saying that you're not chomping at the bit for health powers at the minute. Are there any powers that you are desperate for? Um, and what's the government response to those requests been? And secondly, um, what... What did you make of the levelling up white paper, um, in particular the plans to devolve powers to different parts of the country so that I think there's going to be an M22 eventually or whatever yeah. that's now an M10? Is, I mean, is it going to be an increasing number of mayors fighting for a small, ever smaller slice of the same pie? OK, do you want to just hold on and we'll bring in the other questions just in the interest of time? So, yes, question over there. Hello, uh, Lauren Stevenson from the Department for Leveling Up, looking after deep devolution strategy. Um, I was actually going to ask a really similar question about powers. Um, if you were in the running for an, another devolution deal, what would your top three powers be that you would like to see devolved? OK, very interesting. And there are, yeah, of course, um, Greater Manchester and West Midlands are in line for new trailblazer deals. Um, mm-hmm. So... Uh, we'll see what comes out of those. But, yeah, I mean, basically, if you were in that position, what would you look for? Is there any other question now? Or, yeah, we'll those, take, those we'll two take go quite more. together. Do you so want to are, answer you, are you all right? Can I just, sure. It, it might take just a moment to unpick that. Um, I, think, um, I think there's a real commonality with what you're both saying. I think, for me, what is really concerning me that I think we could have more power over is when it comes to tackling climate change. Um, I'm able to say that one-third of the revenue of the gain share, £40 million is what we're going to um, uh, give to our plan to tackle climate change, the climate emergency here in West Yorkshire. But I I think when it comes to retrofitting homes, when it comes to um, more powers over... um, uh, what what we can do as a region collectively when it comes to flood defences and so on. Um, I think that would be really useful. And I think actually coming together as a region would be good as well, that we could all share those powers for climate change because we could help government get to their target of 2050. I also think around the skills agenda, because I think whilst we have adult education budget, we are sort of picking up where where people have fallen through the cracks. Um, And I think skills is actually one of the biggest um, uh, levers 
to help leveling up. I mean, it's sort of two sides of the same coin, isn't it? Leveling up and skills. You give, you empower people to get those great jobs, to, uh, to, you know, to, to, to learn out of poverty. So I think it's definitely those, those, um, those two are really important for me. Um, I think also the, the powers over transport. I mean, I don't know how that would work, but to be able to, to actually work with partners with, you know, network rail and, and, and you know, uh, the GB rail and to have that relationship with them that's really strategic, that our voice is heard about what we want to deliver, um, rather than having to go back to government and to keep making the case that we actually just need a half-decent transport system, I think would be, would be really, really powerful. And I think in the levelling up white paper, whilst I, 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 I do think that... Um, you know, I think the the motivation was was decent, and Michael Gove really does feel like he gets what leveling up means, and his twelve missions really did reflect my own ten manifesto pledges. Actually, there was a lot of commonality there, um, but there was nothing of substance. The only thing for us of substance was twenty two million pounds extra for brownfield fund housing, but sadly. It's in a shorter time frame to deliver and with the same red tape and with the same um, restrictions. So it also came from his department. So it's sort of give with, you know, we say one thing, but we're doing the same old, same old on the other hand. So I think um, in actually in the white paper itself, there was a lot of good intentions. But for me, what is really important is Michael Gove is not a one man band. He, this has to be about whole government approach. Everybody, the Treasury in particular, you know, the tre- Treasury, housing, everybody has to understand that levelling up, it cannot be done by one person. Um, but there, there, there are amazing powers I have already, and 10 months in we're able to um, be delivering on those. But I think for me it's definitely... Um, about about skills and climate change. And I, I'm just going to say publicly that we were disappointed that we weren't a trailblazer, that we've got some, you know, we've got uh, innovation networks. We're part of the, um, the, the REAP program. Is that right, James? The, and um, I just think we have, in a, you know, our universities are um, changing science every day and uh, I, I, I think we are hoping to be considered for the second round of the Trailblazer programme. Hmm. Um, Is that something that's being talked about? Yeah, right? well, I, well, we've asked if we could be considered but I think it just shows you they don't know who we are. They just don't know what we have to, um, to offer hmm. if, they didn't, if they weren't aware that actually our innovation and our, you know, our universities and what we're achieving and the international impact that we're making wasn't reflected in that decision-making. Because already we're part of it in a way because we, in fact, I was at Huddersfield University um, only yesterday and we're part of a programme that is working with Manchester. So we're already part of that family and yet we weren't, you know, um, we didn't get the accolade for it. So it's a real shame and a missed opportunity, actually. Mm. Yeah, well, as part of this event series, as we were talking about before, we were in Liverpool last week. Steve Rotherham said something quite different. Why, why were we not chosen as well? So sounds like there's definitely going to be pressure from the other mayors, including you, for, for a second wave yeah. of deals, trailblazer deals. OK, great. So we've got a few more minutes. So really keen to get more questions if we can. So we've got one uh, person here. 
And then there's someone in the back row I can see on the left after that, Benny. Hi, I'm Liam from UK 100. Um, I just had a quick question. Obviously, the, the horrific Ukraine crisis has focused minds on energy independence at the moment. And I just wondered what kind of role you saw as, uh, for yourself as mayor in um, delivering energy independence for the UK. Okay. Should we take the second one? Yeah. Yeah. Hi, uh, Chris Byrne here from the Yorkshire Post. Um, you said you were very disappointed in the Leeds-Bradford Airport decision last week. I was just wondering what, in your view, went wrong? OK, so, yeah, I guess those two for now. Yeah, um, well, energy independence. Um, I am so p- pleased to be part of UK 100. Um, I think... We, it, there's two parts, I think, to that question. I think we have a role to play when it comes to supporting um, our citizens in this crisis. I, and you're absolutely right that Ukraine has really thrown it into sharp relief, hasn't it? But also the, um, the rising energy bills has also affected people on a day-to-day basis. I think we are in a, a, a moment in time where we can really powerfully make the case to tackle climate crisis because it feels a bit esoteric for some people. Well, how does this impact on my life? What does it mean for me? I don't get it. Um, and I think we can be making the case, as we have been doing um, in our retrofitting programme, talking to, to people whose homes have been retrofitted and saying, what's the impact for you? And one of, one of the impacts is lower energy bills, which is terrific. Um, but also uh, the, the woman I met who's a, a, a mum with kids and saying, actually, it's helped the quality of my family life that my kids can now do their homework in, the, in their bedroom rather than the kitchen or fighting because their bedrooms are warm and I can afford to heat their bedrooms so that they, we can have a better quality of family life. So I think we can make the case that with rising bills and with the insecurity about um, the pipeline of energy, and we don't want to be beholden to Russia, we have an opportunity to to make the case that now is the time to be the boldest we can be when it comes to um, uh, mitigations for the climate emergency. Um, when it comes to energy independence, I think there there is a real role for us to play when it comes to um, wind farms, when it comes to solar panels. And I know, for example, Leeds uh, City Council are doing a really great scheme where they're putting solar panels on schools and that energy is then um, going back to the grid and the money is being spent on after-school clubs. These sorts of things that we can um, support uh, the more national scheme, but of course, it's a governmental decision. Is um, uh, and that unfortunately, the crisis wasn't prepared for. So we're slightly on the back foot, aren't we, around energy independence? But I think we can certainly um, lead the way when it comes to planning for wind farms, etc. That we want to be the greenest and the cleanest. Um, so, Chris, regarding the airport, I'm not in those rooms. I'm not part of those discussions. So I'm not sure what went wrong. Um, but we all have to be reminded that actually this is a government decision about where the airports go. Um, so, it, you know, it's not necessarily for us to decide where our airport is. So, um, I, you know, I, I wasn't party to that conversation. But um, you've heard my, my, my opinion um, going forward. 
So um, I'm really pleased that climate has been such a, a, a good, um, you know, bit of the questioning because mm. I think it's really important going forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, yeah, N- notable that it wasn't actually integrated very clearly into the levelling up it missions, It wasn't mentioned at all. They're hardly mentioned at all. Yeah. And I think that was a really missed trick because actually how can you level up when businesses are being washed away every two years and what, what was once supposedly a once-in-a-lifetime catastrophe is now every two years. And people moving out of Hebden Bridge, you know, a few years ago because they couldn't bear being washed away again. Mm. We don't want that. And that's why I'm so proud that we invested millions into flood defences in Mythamroyd, in Hebden Bridge. Um, you know, we are stepping up when it comes to tackling mitigations. We've got the, um, the brilliant... Um, uh, uh, flood mitigations in Leeds mm. that are innovative. I think they're the, the only only one in the country that's as um, uh, as uh, forward forward looking. So uh, you know, I think it was a real you know a missed missed chance, and yeah. it just shows that sometimes it's all words, isn't it? We, we you know we want to tackle the climate emergency, but then talking about maybe bringing fracking back, and uh, you know maybe you know we there's going to be new um, oil wells dug in the North Sea, so we we have to hold the government to account that um, we are as our region and as mayors. I was really pleased to be um, invited to COP. Uh, to be on a couple of panels with mayors from across the world and to be part of a network of mayors who are like the tugboats pushing national governments into the right place Um, because we can be more agile, we can be more reactive and I think that's the place for the mayor um, that we can, you know, really make those interventions on the ground that are quite powerful. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a fascinating subject. It's one we could no doubt do a whole event on role of mayors in, in, in helping reach um, net zero targets. Maybe we'll come back and do an event with you some other time, Tracy. But yeah, we're basically at the end of time. I knew the hour was going to fly by. Um, so thanks so much for, for taking part. It's been a pleasure. Thank you again to Manchester Airports Group in particular for their sponsorship. Um, final word I'm going to give again to uh, Bromley Maddox just to say farewell on behalf of the IFG. Farewell sounds very final, uh, but Akash, thank you very much indeed. And there's been a fascinating discussion, terrific questions. Thanks for sending them in. This last uh, bit, both about the emphasis on climate change, has really stayed with me. The uh, discussion we had just before that about the kind of powers that Tracy Braben as, as mayor would like, not so much health, but very much climate and transport, that, uh, that's very, that stayed with me. And her earlier comment about, look, we're accountable to the Treasury. Uh, why have ministers in the way? I, I, I thought that was very interesting. Um, to be continued, as they say, and we're, we're going to be in Newcastle next month. Um, but thank you all very, very much for coming here today and for watching online. And of course, thank you to Akash Pound and Tracy Braben. Thank you. Thank you for listening, and we hope you've enjoyed this edition of IFG Live. Please do subscribe to hear more. And if you'd like to know about our upcoming events, please visit instituteforgovernment.org.uk slash events. Music